The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Friday, the 24th of February in London. Coming up today... A year after Russian tanks rolled into Ukraine, the war that has had global ramifications shows no signs of ending. Controlling the curve, the man lined up to be the next BOJ governor hints at a policy shift. Looking for the positives, UK consumer confidence sees its sharpest rebound in almost two years. Cut price golden passports, the UK carbon capture power plant at risk and salad in Ports down by half. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers, and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus, the EU Commission calls time on TikTok. Staff are told to delete the Chinese-owned social media app. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. The former UN diplomat Mark Malik brown says there's currently no basis for peace talks to resolve the Russia-Ukraine conflict. This is China has called for a ceasefire between the sides in a 12-point proposal to end the war, which began a year ago today. Malik Brown has told Daybreak Europe that there are risks in how China uses its influence over Russia. China has that over over Russia. And so, let's not rule out, could be a force for bringing uh, Russia to the peace table, not least because, you know, Putin is anxiously seeking arms supplies from China. But, you know, there is a risk that China instead goes the sort of easy route, if you like, and just helps stock up the arms supply. And that would be a really challenging and dangerous development. Mark Mark Brown is now president of the Open Society Foundations. We'll be getting more from Kyiv and the latest on the war and its impact on Ukraine in a few minutes' time. And that impact is being felt all across the continent. Almost 8 million Ukrainian war refugees remain in Europe, according to data from the UN. We've been speaking to one of them, Irina Kobatova. You know, the most difficult thing... Uh, in all the situation is that all our real estate, uh, cars, everything we had previously, it it was left in Ukraine. Uh, And, you know, you have always this deep feeling that you could never earn for this in new country, in new place, from any position. You understand that you have to start uh, from the start. Irina Kobatova there. Well, she has made a new life for herself working for JP Morgan in Poland, part of a programme the bank initiated for refugees. The nominee for governor of the Bank of Japan, Kazuo Ueda, says the central bank will need to consider normalising policy if the outlook for prices improves. But he is backing continuation of stimulus for now. 
There are positive developments in the inflation trend, but there's some distance to achieving 2% in a stable manner. Once the stable 2% goal comes into sight, the BOJ can move towards normalization. That's the nominee for the Governor of Bank of Japan, Kazuo Ueda, speaking through a translator. During the parliamentary hearing as part of his appointment process, Ueda says the central bank would stop its massive bond-buying programme if it reached its target of stable 2% inflation. Now, investors are counting down to the latest reading of the Federal Reserve's preferred inflation gauge. Ahead of that data print, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon told CNBC that high prices are so insidious that they could hurt growth for 10 years. And out in front of us, there's some scary stuff. Meanwhile, the former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says he also sees worrying signals for the U.S. economy. As the figures have come in and the particularly the figures on non-housing services look to be running way above uh, target level. I think the chances of a soft landing, which looked to be getting better a couple months ago, I think are now receding um, a bit. That was the former Treasury Secretary Larry Summers speaking to Bloomberg's Wall Street Week anchor David Weston. Bloomberg has learned that Deutsche Bank looked at buying parts of Credit Suisse Group's assets before the Swiss bank announced its overhaul last year. Sue Keenan has the details. We're told Deutsche Bank was taking a specific look at businesses such as Credit Suisse's asset management as wealth management units and that the plan inside Deutsche was to be able to move quickly should these kind of assets come onto the market. They did not and sources tell us the project has since been put on hold, possibly to be revised at a later time. Sue Keenan, Bloomberg, New York. Here in the UK, the cost of living crisis seems to be fading a little with one measure of consumer confidence making a surprise rebound. Bloomberg's James Wilcock reports. Given January's print was the third lowest reading since records started, GFK's latest consumer confidence survey is an improvement. The index jumped seven points to minus 38. It's the fastest increase since March 2021, when the UK was emerging from the pandemic. Expectations of falling energy bills and a rapid decline in inflation were behind the relative optimism, which suggests some resilience amongst households. However, it also points towards continued spending, which may concern the Bank of England as it weighs how much to raise interest rates in its fight against inflation. In London, I'm James Wilcock, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. So those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Another story that we have been watching, though, is this move around the European Commission to ban uh, TikTok, the Chinese video sharing app, from uh, its official devices. This was uh, an order that staff got yesterday. They've a couple of weeks to complete it. Um, but we've been speaking to the head of Bloomberg of uh, TikTok's European mm. public policy that said they actually found out about it from media reports um, and that they never contacted, uh, this is what Theo Bertram says, they never reached out to the company about any concerns they had about the app. Okay, um, yeah, the response uh, from TikTok, of course, from the spokesperson, uh, that they believe the suspension is misguided based on fundamental misconceptions. But I think the overall issue is that there is more wariness now and indeed more action, it would seem, around TikTok, national security concerns, in Europe, but also actually in the US. So it's, I think it's a really interesting story. Are you a TikTok user? 
No, I'm not. I'm, uh, I was oh. going to say I'm not young enough, but I, I'm actually not cool enough, I think, cool is the enough. problem. Uh, well, if you are cool enough, of course, we had our first radio TikTok out yesterday. Mm. Ooh, yes. Caroline, you're a TikToker now. This is a thing. You, yeah, next thing, oh, we're going to have you, you're going to have you dancing in your kitchen to, like, you know, your UK <laughs> economic data. <laughs> that is a thought for Friday morning. No, but you must have a look at it because Bloomberg does a great line in TikToks, actually. And Helena Morrissey's top tips for women in finance has been turned into a little video. We did a whole special series on it yesterday. So, yeah. yeah, straight to your phones to check that out. Up next, cut price citizenship attracting disillusioned Brits. The UK's carbon capture power plants at risk of moving and salad imports are down by half. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do. That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Now, the paper review on Bluebird Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Leanne Gerens joins us this morning for a look at the newspapers, starting with The Telegraph, which has the headline, Countries Cut Cost of Citizenship to Attract Disillusioned British Taxpayers. Now, that headline makes me a little bit wary, Leanne, but tell me about the story. Yes, I will indeed, Caroline. And this is all about golden passports, which provide the wealthy a ticket to low-tax destinations. Now, The Telegraph says wealthy families are being driven from Britain by high taxes and low towards sunny, low-tax nations, which are now cutting the cost of obtaining a 
citizenship. And the newspaper looks at a report by the real estate specialist Astons, which has found the cost of golden passports has really dropped in many countries, Caroline. The drop was actually the steepest in Malta, where the cost of a citizenship has fallen by 40%, and that's since 2020. Malta now requires a minimum investment of £619 into the country in order to get one of these Mm. golden passports. Jordan, St Kitts and Nevis in the Caribbean and Austria are also other countries attracting the wealthy away from Britain. Now, speaking to the paper, Nisham Shah of the tax specialist Blick Rothenberg says the UK has really lost its way as a destination of wealth. However, he also made the argument that the UK still has good schooling, a rich history and a strong rule of law. But there we are, why golden passports are in the Telegraph this morning. Yeah, it's interesting to to track this because, of course, golden passports are controversial in other countries that issue them as well. I mean, the European uh, Union is suing Malta over its golden passport scheme, Mm. um, saying that essentially granting EU citizenship in return for for prepayments or investments uh, is not compatible with with EU law. That's that's the Commission's argument anyway. So even in the places that are offering them, they're often quite controversial Uh, as well. And also, look, just even using that phrase, right, golden passport is kind of controversial because, you know, there is a case to be made that if you want to attract, you know, wealthy entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that you have to have a door for, you know, for investor visas for for, for people to be able to move country if that's what you decide to do. So even that terminology is quite kind of controversial. But a nice story, Leanne. Yeah, and there's actually a great piece on the terminal if you want to look up recently from from friend of the show, Charlie Wells, uh, who's been talking about how European countries are grappling with this idea of golden visas. So not the passport level, but the investment visas and the rules changing about that. Mm. So do check out that piece by Charlie Wells as well. All right. The Times newspaper now says incentives could lure Drax to the United States. Yes, indeed, Caroline. Now Drax, the power generator, is warning that its $2 billion project to build the world's biggest carbon capture power station right here in Britain is now at serious risk. The FTSE 250 company wants urgent government action as America's Inflation Reduction Act makes investing in the US far more attractive. Attractive. You may have heard about the IRA Act, which also helps electric vehicle makers, but it also has increased the subsidies on offer for carbon capture and storage projects. Now, Will Gardner, he's the Drax chief executive, and he's been speaking to the Times, says we are increasingly excited about the opportunities over in the US mm. in relation to this IRA Act at the moment. And for several years, Drax has been planning planning for this big bioenergy with carbon capture and storage plant at its site near Selby in North Yorkshire, which could create 10,000 jobs at the peak of its construction. But now that may be under serious risk. We are hearing that from the chief executive because they want the UK government to possibly step up and give subsidies. Okay, in the Financial Times, the headline, UK salad imports down by half, English growers warn. Uh, Yes, indeed, Stephen. So a few of the red top newspapers like the Daily Star and the Daily Mirror have inspiration from Marie Antoinette. Daily Star loves a lettuce, as we know. Yes, yes, of course they do. But they've turned to turnips now. I'm afraid the lettuce is gone. And the headline says, let them eat turnips. Now, this comes after the Environment Secretary to raise coffee. She was saying that turnips could be a new 
suitable alternative why other vegetables remain in short supply. We did see her yesterday. We did speak hear, hear her speaking in the Commons. And imports of salad and vegetables have dropped by at least half, according to the main group representing English growers. Four UK supermarkets are rationing products, and that includes peppers, cucumbers, lettuces and tomatoes this week after frost in Spain and North Africa. Now, to, mm. it's important to note that it's not just because of this weather. There's other factors playing in. The UK has been especially affected by shortages because of the extra journey to transport produce across the channel, together with compar- comparatively low retail prices for vegetables. So we have to look at it. It's not just the weather. There's other things playing into that too. Yeah, there was a real set too, wasn't there, yesterday yes. <laughs> between the, the Minister Therese Coffey and the National Farmers Union that got a lot of people's attention, you know, about exactly what was to blame. The minister trying to say it was the weather and the Farmers Union saying absolutely not. It's a market failure. Anyway, it was very interesting. Thank you so much, Leanne Gerrans, for that look through uh, some important stories in the newspapers this morning. Well, let's get more now on the situation in Ukraine. A year after the Russian invasion, the Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has been tweeting this morning. He writes, on February 24th, millions of us made a choice, not a white flag, but a blue and yellow one, not fleeing, but facing, resisting and fighting. It was a year of pain, sorrow, faith and unity. And this year we remained invincible. We know that 2023 will be the year of our victory. That's what the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, has said this morning. Let's go live now to Kiev and bring uh, in Bloomberg's Oliver Crook. Uh, Oliver, good morning to you. What is Kiev like today after the year that it's seen? Yes, Stephen. I mean, you know, you, just to cast our minds back one year, the dawn hours a year ago, where this, this city was woken up, this entire nation was woken up by explosions, by aircraft sounds uh, overhead, and the shock of that. That was a shock, obviously, internationally, but even to Ukraine, there was a shock that, that this invasion was actually underway. And you saw the images of these Russian troops rolling across the border, and then the shock of war in Europe, and the massive column that was heading towards Kiev, and the, again, the shock that Kiev did not fall. And when you take the train in here, you, you realize how close the Russian troops came. The last place you go to before you enter Kiev is Bucha, where there was the horrible massacre of civilians. But you realize it's just on the outskirts and how close the Russians came to um, seizing the seat of government here. But a year later, Kiev still stands. Zelensky is president. Ukraine continues to fight on. The cost has been immense for the people here. Um, hundreds of thousands of people have been wounded and killed in battle. Eight million people have been displaced. From the train into Ukraine, you see that it's mostly populated by women because men are not allowed to leave the country from the ages of 18 to 60. So, you know, the fear that this one-year mark is going to be the first of many more to come, but certainly the attitude here in Kyiv and Ukraine is defiant, is that there is no backing down. Yeah, absolutely. The UK is holding a national minute uh, of silence planned for 11am this morning uh, on this anniversary. What hopes are there, though, of a resolution of this conflict? I think it's very difficult to see how a resolution comes about right now. You know, Ukraine is braced for the long haul. The United States, you know, Biden came here to Kiev, sent a very, very strong signal, but again saying that we'll be here as long as it takes. And this has been, you know, echoed throughout. But there is a question over time. It's not just dependent on Biden and the government. It is also dependent on the populations of the United States, of Europe, to want to continue to um, put the support forward. Ukraine can, has, has all the will to fight, but it needs that sort of financial and military 
military support from the rest of the world. The U.S. apparently overnight, um, you know, said to add another $2 billion in support. That adds to $27.5 billion worth of support that the United States has already put forward, and that needs to keep keep on coming in order to, to continue the fight. You have this peace plan out from China overnight, this 12-point plan that's calling for a ceasefire, for peace talks, but also eliminating sanctions. It does nothing to discuss the problem of territory that Russia occupies in Ukraine. That is obviously a red line um, for Zelensky and Ukraine. So it's very difficult to see what the path out is. You, you mentioned there that new military support coming from the US. Is Ukraine getting the military support that it wants from its allies now? So this is a question of what, what the ambition is huge for what Ukraine is trying to do. If it wants to expel Russian troops from its borders. Um, so the big, you know, the big first line that we, we crossed was these heavy tanks and the leopard tanks, which Ukraine is now getting, and those will be, you know, deployed uh, over the next weeks and months. And the question is, what is needed to stage a real counteroffensive here? We've descended a bit into to trench warfare. There's not been a lot of progress on either side. Um, so the call now is for fighter jets, which, you know, again, appears to be a red line here, uh, you know, in, for the West, for the United States, the F-16s. Um, and so I think it's going to be very difficult to see if they will be able, and also these long-range weapons. And this is one of the things that Putin mentioned in the speech himself. If there are long-range weapons deployed, they're going to have to push out, and they're going to have to take that as a, as a threat. So, again, you have to figure out where these red lines are for Putin, where these red lines are for the West. But right now, it's going to take some meaningful support in order to have a counteroffensive of any note here in Ukraine. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.